generation has no future, and I refuse to believe that I have been given permission to live and I am free. I realize this may be a shock, but God has a purpose for my life is actually a lie. And I believe money and popularity are priorities. In my lifetime, I will tell the people closest to me, I have my priorities straight and I must hold on to my pride. I surrender the idea that my actions will have an everlasting impact. In the future, lukewarm beliefs will be the norm. No longer can it be said that my peers and I care about our faith. It will be evident that my generation is apathetic and lethargic. It is foolish to presume that there is hope. But what if we change that? What if we shatter those expectations? What if we flip the script? There is hope. It is foolish to presume that my generation is apathetic and lethargic. It will be evident that my peers and I care about our faith. No longer can it be said that lukewarm beliefs will be the norm. In the future, my actions will have an everlasting impact. I surrender the idea that I must hold on to my pride. I have my priorities straight, and in my lifetime, I will tell the people closest to me, money and popularity are priorities. It's actually a lie, and I believe God has a purpose for my life. I realize this may be a shock, but I have been given permission to live, and I am free, and I refuse to believe that my generation has no future. I don't know, I saw that video this uh, past week, and it just caught my attention for our topic this morning, this idea that perspective changes everything. I don't know if you started watching that like me and you're just like, whoa, where's this going? This is kind of dark and kind of kind of hopeless. But when you see the, the switch or when the, when the script was flipped, that changes everything. What I would suggest in the life of a Christ follower, so often it's easy for us to put on the, the lenses of our culture and the, the direction that everybody else is pointing this hopeless kind of scope or perspective. And you're like, whoa, this just doesn't seem right. But the thing is, is what we're going to see in our text this morning, Paul prays for the Christ follower to put on different lenses and see things from a different perspective. To see them the way that Christ designed them. Wow, I can't even see you when I do that. But uh, we'll see, see the way that Christ designed them. I don't know if you've ever put on glasses of somebody else with a different uh, prescription before, and you're just like, oh, this, this feels weird. This is, this, is, this is wrong. And that's the same idea this morning, that we can look through the cultural lenses and feel kind of hopeless and gloomy. But my prayer and hope this morning is that the script gets flipped a bit, even from our understanding of this text. Let me pray towards that end. Dear Lord, thank you for this opportunity this morning already to celebrate you. And as Adrian said, to put the spotlight on you and your greatness through song. And uh, God, we just also are grateful for a chance to slow down and celebrate your uh, death, uh, burial, and resurrection through communion, and all of this is with the hopes of, of getting our, our heads on straight. 
that our perspective would align with your perspective. God, I ask that you would invade these moments now, that this wouldn't just be a message or the pile on, a mile high of information we've gleaned, but it'd be something that actually transforms the way we think, the way we act, the way we interact with each other. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you haven't been here, we've been just gradually working through Ephesians. And to be honest with you, and I think we're in week five now, we haven't made it real far. We're still in chapter one. uh, But if you wouldn't mind turning with me, we're going to actually finish chapter one uh, this morning, Lord willing. Chapter one, we're in verses 15 through 23, the remainder of the, the section there. And looking at this title, A Prayer for Perspective, and that's really what's happening is Paul after he's going through all these amazing things that are true for in the life of a believer, he starts kind of transitioning to praying that these things would take root in the audience's hearts and minds. So we're going to look at his prayer and just break that down. But the first thing he does is he starts to just celebrating some things that are true of his audience. Look in verse 15. Helps if we're looking at this text together. If you don't have a Bible, just so you know, there's one in the pew in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, you can have one of those. Verse 15 says this, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Just point to a couple things there. First thing I notice is that he takes time to celebrate some things that are true about these guys before he moves into all the things that he's praying that would change in them. And I think there's something to be gleaned from that even in ourselves as we're interacting with people. We so quickly move to things we want to see change without celebrating the good. Here he celebrates a couple different things. You see it in the text. It says, for this reason, then he lists the reason. Then he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. So he lists these couple of different reasons. You can see them right there. The first one is for because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, you'll interact with different people in our culture and world, and they'll even say, yes, I'm a a person of of faith. Maybe you've heard that before with something. But we see here that faith is kind of pointless unless it's directed to, towards the appropriate object. Here he's saying, I celebrate in you the fact that your faith is in what? You guys read in the text. This is not a trick question. It's the Sunday school answer. In the Lord Jesus. In the Lord Jesus. He's celebrating that they've put, they've rooted their faith in the Lord Jesus. And it's important that we understand that title, Lord Jesus, because it's not just saying Savior Jesus. It's saying I've put, you've put your faith in the Lord Jesus. You see, when we're talking about Jesus and what we've put our faith in, it's important that we understand both parts of this, that we embrace him as Savior, but also as Lord. A lot of us are familiar with the Romans passage in 10.9 that says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you notice that progression that the Lord peace starts before the Savior peace? Because the, the, the Savior peace is the uh, just easy transaction that's just completed. Yes, I accept that free gift, and yes, I'm saved. The Lord peace demands something, and that's why it's so often glossed over. The Lord peace demands a change in our actions. You get that? 
When you claim something, that, that, that something or somebody is Lord, that demands that there's some degree of accountability. I can't say that, that, I'm, that Jeremy here sitting in the second row, Jeremy, I'm going to put you on the spot, that Jeremy is my Lord, first off, that's really weird, but I couldn't say that. I couldn't say Jeremy's my Lord, and then you're like, yeah, but you're not really doing anything that Jeremy says or listening. You haven't styled your hair like his, not that I could, but uh, you're not doing anything similar. And similarly for us, what he's doing here is celebrating that they're not just accepting him as Savior, but also as Lord. It's important that we understand that difference, even in the discussion about salvation. So he starts with that celebration of the object of their faith, Jesus being their Lord, and it's evidence in the second thing that he celebrates, Lord, that faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. You see, that's kind of the, the proof is in the pudding, if you will, is one of the evidences of authenticity that you really have made Jesus Lord, is that you're putting, that you're actually loving, and notice the words there, all the saints, Man, Scripture's hard when it says it uses those all-inclusive words, the all piece, because that even means the crazy Christians, right? All of them, all of the, and if you don't know what I mean by crazy Christians, maybe that's because you're the crazy Christian, I don't know, but here's the, here's the idea is he's saying, hey, every single person that's put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ were called that's part of authenticity of following Jesus, to love them. Like, man, that's hard, right? Anybody agree? Like, we're, it's confession time, we're in church. Like, kind of hard to, to love certain followers of Jesus. There's some people. And, and, but here, let me, let, me, let me do this for a second. Bring to, bring to mind a person in your life that claims to follow Christ, but you would say they're difficult to love. Anybody have that person in mind? How long did that take you? Anybody pretty quick on that one, right? Okay, so we're going to collectively call that person Bob, all right? No offense if your name's Bob. Okay, stay with me here. Stay with me here. So we all have that person that's especially hard to like, man, it's so hard to love them. But then hit the rewind button for a second on what we've just studied in this first part of chapter one that is true about Bob. That's true about Bob if he's a genuine follower of Jesus Christ. If he was chosen by God before the foundations of the universe, that that person, that Bob, was adopted as a beloved son and child of God, that that Bob was given an inheritance from Almighty God, that Bob had Jesus come down and spill his precious blood on behalf of him for the forgiveness of his sins, and Bob was sealed with the precious Holy Spirit as a, as a confirmation that he's in the faith. Now, you tell me this. Do you think we're allowed to not love Bob? Answer it. Like, what do you guys think? You think we're not... I talk to so much, so often to Christians are just like, I like Jesus, I just don't really like his followers, right? Now, now here's the thing, is that doesn't really work here. Because one of the authenticating marks of being in Christ is that we have a growing love for his people, 
for his children. And that's what Paul is celebrating just right out of the gates with his audience. Man, you're doing a great job. And you say to me, you're like, Scott, but that's, that's really hard. I, I don't think I can do that. And you're like, yeah, exactly. You can't do it on your own. That's why it's authentication that the Lord must be doing something radical in your life. Do you see that? How it comes full circle? Well, when you're just like, man, if you can love them, clearly the Lord is working in your life. And in fact, turn to the person next to you and say, if you can love me, clearly the Lord is doing something extraordinary in your life, right? Let's personalize this a little bit. That's the idea. You guys are having fun with that one. But here, here's, here's the idea. First, first and foremost, okay, stop. Okay, we got it. First and foremost is that he's taking time and he says, he says that he doesn't cease to give thanks for these aspects because of their genuine faith that's rooted in Jesus as Lord. Because that's evidence in the fact that they're loving other believers, choosing to forgive, choosing to give clean slates, choosing to extend grace that they've been extended themselves. Those are things worth celebrating. And because of that, he says, I consistently bring you to the Lord in prayer. What an awesome response. What an awesome gift. Really, if you think about it, that's the best gift you could offer somebody is you're just like, you know what? I'm just going to commit to consistently praying over you. I'm going to consistently, and it's not just praying for their physical well-being, but their spiritual as well. Look in verse 17, what he prays over them. Praise that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. love that he pauses for moments to just celebrate God's glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Let's talk about that for a moment, to be specific on what he's praying for them. He prays for a couple things. He prays for both the revelation and for wisdom, and he also prays that the source of that, obviously being the spirit, he's not praying for them to receive the spirit, because if they're believers, they already have the Holy Spirit in them, But he's praying for the spirit of or the influence of the spirit in their life. Because we're we're told that John 16, 13, that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. He's the source of it. And he's praying for those two specific things, revelation and wisdom. I want to talk just first briefly about revelation. Revelation, you pretty much, you know the definition of that. That's the idea of something that's revealed that you didn't already know. Something that's revealed that you didn't already know. So he's praying for these believers that there would be something revealed to them that they didn't already know. And what does it say about who? In the knowledge of him. So wanting them to grow in their understanding and knowledge of God. And that's not just for the sake of, of, Scripture says that, that knowledge puffs up. Uh, The the hope here is that it's a knowledge, an intimate knowledge, that you get to know him more. Maybe you've had that yourself, that the more you dig into Scripture, and it's one one of those things that's addictive, the the more you get to know about God and his character and who he is, you're you're just drawn to that. You're like, I want more. I want to know more. But here's the other side of that. The revelation piece is also the wisdom piece. And this is the, the, the more tricky piece of it because it's not just adding to our knowledge, even what I prayed at the beginning. The idea of wisdom is practicing what has been 
revealed to you. Practicing, so the revelation, so I'm getting to know more about God, but then you're like, oh, wait a second. If this is true about God, and he's my Lord, then whoa, there's some adjustments that need to be made in my life to be consistent with his. So that's the, that's the wisdom piece when we start to apply what we've been informed with, the new information that we've gleaned. Now I would suggest that's one of the most challenging things in this whole Christian walk because we're doing this for the long haul and it's so easy to just get into the information mode where you're just like, okay, that was another good bit of information. I'll add that to my, my pot of information with zero transformation. And that's why he's praying for this. This is something that only the Holy Spirit can do in your life. He's praying, God, please just give them not just revelation, but also wisdom, the transformation. Because the difficult thing is once you have information, you're held responsible to that. That's sometimes the hard thing in life. Once you've been given information, you're like, okay, based on that, now I have to do something with it. It parallels in just practical things, too. My, my wife and I, I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit this, but this year, we're trying to eat a little more healthy. Anybody else in that season, too? You're trying to be a little bit more health conscious. So we're doing this thing. We've had seasons where we've tried different things, but we're, we're doing Weight Watchers. Okay, go ahead. Throw your stones at me. Weight Watchers, where you actually count points for the items that you eat. Anybody ever done this? Don't look at me like I'm the only one that's ever... <laughs> done any diets or paid attention to your eating Weight Watchers. So let me explain the premise behind this. So what you have is you have food that has points attached to it, and you have so many points that you're allotted in a day. Make sense? So as you eat things, you're kind of like, okay, that was three points. Okay, I got a typical person, I forget, maybe somewhere around 30 points uh, for a woman. I maybe exceed that a little bit, but uh, by like 30. Uh, but uh <laughs> But here is a tough thing. So true story. A couple weeks ago, someone blessed us with some cronuts. Anybody know what a cronut is? It's a blend between a donut and a croissant. Hence the title cronuts. Well, this, this Weight Watchers has this little app that you can look up and see how many points are attached to items. You know, the, the, this, is, this is a scary reality, and I'm about to ruin cronuts for all of you. A cronut, average person, 30 points in a day. Guess how many points a cronut has? 28. <laughs> 28 points. So basically, you could have a cronut and two pieces of celery, and you're done. Like you're, you're, you're out, you're, you're, you're finished for the day. And so the dangerous thing about this whole thing is you start seeing food attached to points and it really dampens it. You start saying that. I, I'm like, oh, that's like 40 points for that burger and fries. I, can't, I need that today to cover today and half of it tomorrow. Like that's, it, it changes everything because once you have information, the danger of having that information is then the application, similar in the spiritual realm. What if the application of Jesus is Lord demands something of us living differently? What if that changes the way we're supposed to act and interact with people around us? That's what he's saying. He's praying for not just revelation, aha moments, but also then, okay, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with that once you have the information? Hence the reason, because it's hard, he prays over it. 
verse 18, he's praying that their eyes would be open. says this, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Eyes of your hearts enlightened. Prays for eyes to be open. And often uh, that's a struggle for some of us, especially on daylight savings times. This was even more relevant in the first hour. But some of the, one of the fun parts of my job is watching some of you stay awake while I talk. So that's one of the fun parts of my job. And I see people start to go and they kind of fight it and like pretend like that was on purpose. There's one particular woman that comes here that is pretty much guaranteed she is going to be out. Uh, like she, she's going to be gone. But I've been telling Adrian she has to get to bed earlier uh, so that that doesn't happen. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I had to do that. Uh, so, so in all seriousness, no, there's nothing but grace from up front because confession time, right, Adrian? I'm, I'm, the wor- I'm the worst at this. That's why I think God called me to preach is because I'm no good sitting there. I'm just gone. You know, like a, a quiet, warm, comfortable room, you know, close to some people I love. Like, man, this is great, man. This is like doze time. And, and so, and so we, we'll go to conferences sometimes and like, she's got some sharp elbows. I'm the one that goes. But, but here's the, the picture. Some of you, some of you reach into the cheat bag called caffeine to keep the eyes open. True confession here, the Christian drug of choice, right? And I, I was learning a little bit, like you, you coffee people have your own language. Listen to what I was learning this week. So you have a, a cup of, it's not es- espresso, that's what I'd say, espresso. That sounds just fancy. But here's the idea, and you guys know this if you're a coffee drinker, it's based on how many shots of espresso that you put in it as to how what the name of that drink is. I was learning this this week. So one shot is called a, and you guys can help me out here, one shot is called a red eye, two shots is called a black eye, three shots is called a dead eye, and that's pretty much for that, that person that's completely gone. But I was also learning, sorry for this commercial break, but I was also learning there's some different names for this. In the Midwest, the three-shot one is called a depth charge. In the, in the South, the three-shot one is called, uh, is called a shot in the dark or a shotgun, fitting for the South, I guess. California, it's called a sledgehammer or a hammerhead. Alaska is called a sludge cup. I don't know about that. Or Dunkin' Donuts has its name for it called the Turbo. But either way, regardless of what you put that title on, what it takes to wake you up, that is what Paul is praying for. He's praying for a spiritual depth charge. And when I say depth, I mean that it would really go deep. That it would really take root past just the intellect and make it all the way to the heart making it all the way that it, that it sinks in. And what is he praying that it would sink in? He's not praying that they would get, notice this in this whole text, he's not praying that they would get anything new. He's praying that their eyes would be opened to all that they already have. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool for those of us who are in Christ? That what we already have is all he's trying to point his, our awareness to. It's not like God is, so often we're like, Jesus, please, Give, give me more of you. He's like, I gave you all of me. What, what do you mean more? The, the, the truth is, he's not pointing to new stuff. He's saying that our eyes would be open to what we already have. 
I don't know if you guys have heard of this guy by the name of William Randolph Hearst. Here's a picture of him. He was a, a famous owner of a group of newspapers and a media company. Some of you may have visited the Hearst Castle in, uh, just north of here. Anybody been there before? A man of, of, of great wealth and means. And he, I was reading this week this, one of the stories about him. He was an avid art collector, and he read one time this article about this uh, piece of art, and he decided after the description of it, he's just like, man, I gotta get this. Like, I, I have to. So, so he went on this, on this mission, and he actually assigned a specific agent that was just to hunt down this piece of art. And he's like, I don't care what it costs. We'll figure it out. Just find this specific item. So this guy goes on this worldwide hunt of this item, this, this famous piece of, piece of art. Finally, after a couple months of searching, he finally, William finally gets a, a telegram saying, good news, I found it. He's just like, oh, oh, yes, finally. So he's excited for his return to get this piece of art. The, the guy finally comes back and he's just like, William's like, you gotta tell me, where did you finally find it? And what did it actually cost me to, 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 to gather that? Like, you know where I found it? You're going to love it. I found it in one of your warehouses. One of your warehouses. This guy, this guy already owned this piece of art, and he didn't even know it. And I think about that. What a beautiful picture of the truth of us who are in Christ. We're on this hunt and this search, and it's all right there in our own warehouse. Like, open our eyes. That's what he's praying for. That's what he's wanting this depth charge to open their eyes. They'd recognize what they already have. The whole chapter has talked about all that we have in Christ, but here he mentions and identifies a few more. Second part of uh, verse 18 says, That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to to the working of his great might. Basically, he's praying that these different things would take root in our hearts, that we'd have an awareness of some of those things, the illicit hope, inheritance, and power. You could probably expound on those even further, but the first one, hope, isn't like we typically think of hope. Like anybody have the idea of hope that you normally associate, like, oh, I, I hope my car is going to make it to the gas station? Anybody have that sometimes? We're, we did a trip to Denver one time. Our car has like a countdown of how many miles till it runs out of gas. Anybody have that in your car? And uh, we, we were down to, was it three or two miles before we pulled into the gas station? There's no, no gas stations on those crazy highways. But anyway, <laughs> random, random side point. But the, the idea here of hope when it relates to Jesus Christ and all that the hope that we have in him is talking as we saw a couple weeks ago, talking about the future in the present tense. That it's so secured that it's going to happen, you may as well just talk about it as if it already has. And that's how Paul spoke of all of the inheritances and good things coming for those who are in Christ. But we learn elsewhere in Scripture in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory... The substance of our hope depends entirely on the object of our hope, making sure that we put our hope 
in Jesus Christ. So hope is one. He also points to inheritance. We spent a significant amount of time talking about that in the last couple of weeks. If you remember uh, the Pilati brothers we talked about that inherited billions of dollars in that comparison. We've talked a, a number of things. My, my idea with all of that is that that would take root, that we have a future to look forward to. Things get really good for those who are, of us who are in Christ. We have some things in, in our eternal perspective. Yes, some present now that we fully engage and embrace, but a lot that's to come. And my one ask is this, is when you're in heaven, is you hunt me down and you tell me, Scott, you, are right. you were right. It was way better than I ever imagined. Is that okay? Fair deal? Shake? Okay. You guys, come, come and find me. One, just because I like to hear that I'm right. But uh, two, two, because I want you guys all to enjoy all that we have in our inheritance for those of us who are in Christ. Points third thing to his immeasurable riches of his power. And he extrapolates on that, the remainder section of the, the chapter, but really the hope is for that is that the audience would take root that, man, the scope of power that's at our disposal as a Christ follower is mind-blowing. Power to overcome sin, power to resist temptation, power to have a, a, a genuine impact in the world around us, power to speak boldly about Jesus Christ when we don't think we can, power to, to overcome fear, power to over overcome some of the trials and miserable things that we go through. All of this is at our disposal, and he's just simply praying that our eyes would be open to it. And it's funny, he can't help talking about it more. Look in verse 20, it says, that it, when he's talking about the power, he says, the power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Listen to this. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I don't know if you've ever talk with somebody that seems to have to say the same thing like five different ways just to make sure they're getting their point across to you? Anybody have that person in your life and you're like, I, I got it the first time you said it. But I, I kind of have this picture of Paul. He's like, it's so important that you understand God's power. I'm going to just extrapolate just for a minute on the expanse of what that power looks like. He's like an excited kid. He's like, it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and elevated him to being seated at God's right hand. It's the same power that's above every authority now and in the future. It's the same power every, I love this one, under above every name that is named. Any name you can ever come up with, he's above that one. Oh, you came up with a new one? Oh, he's above that one. Not just the ones you mentioned now, but anyone that you can think of in the future. He's wanting to make sure he's covered every single basis for the expanse of God's power that has left him ultimately where everything, what does it say, is under his foot. Powerful picture of God's majesty and power. And then he's like, and if that's not enough, just for you to make sure you understand this, he's also reigning over the church. That's under him too. 
describes it as, as the head. That has a, a special uh, attachment there. Head can mean source or also chief. That we're literally the physical embodiment of his body that we get to be or how he becomes the all in all. We're the ones that are the extenders of the message of, of hope that he has for the planet that we live on. That we can be pointed towards the fullness of him who fills all in all it's a beautiful picture. The idea here in the whole text, this amazing prayer, is that we'd comprehend all that we are in Christ and all that we have in Christ. He doesn't want his audience to miss a single thing. Doesn't want us to miss out on anything. Doesn't want something to sneak by that was one of our benefits with us like, oh, I didn't realize that, that we're kicking ourselves for eternity, that we missed out on that. He doesn't want us to miss a thing. Adrian and I were, were blessed in the last couple of weeks with a, a family friend that actually blessed us with a, a financial gift, and it was kind of an unexpected thing, and we, weren't, we didn't have something specifically that we we're using that for, and so it was a, enough that we decided, you know what, so literally yesterday was our fourth year in California, and we have not taken our kids to Disney yet. And so we were given enough money that we're able, so $50,000, we're able to go to Disney. <laughs> And so, uh, it's so, so just kidding about that part, but uh, enough that we're able to take our, our little family. So end of April, we're going to Disney for the first time. I can't joke about how bad it is anymore after that. But here's one of the things. I was talking to my sister. Her, her family has season passes. They're like Disney fanatics. Any of those people in here? Any people love Disney? Anybody uh, scared to raise your hand right now because you don't know what I'm going to say next? But, uh, but here, the, here is the thing. I told my sister about it, and she says, listen, you got to come with us so that you, and she was like dead serious with like almost a shake in her voice, so that you don't miss anything that Disney has to offer. <laughs> She was so serious about this. She's like, we don't want you. We want you to experience everything that Disney has to offer. And I'm like, whoa, cuckoo. Uh, but but, but here, here's the thing. But you, you think about that and that, that, that parallel. Like you, you wouldn't want somebody to, to pay the price of admission, the absorbent price of admission, show up, do the teacups, and head home, Right? You'd be like, come on, you're missing the California adventure. I don't even know what that means. You're missing this, you're missing that, all the Space Mountain. You know, like you wouldn't want to miss all those things. And I would suggest that's a little bit of what Paul's feeling like with his audience. He's just like, oh man, you, you, you've gotten the, the, the entrance pass. You've accepted the, the cost, excessive cost of the admissions gate. You've made it through. You've, you've tried the teacups, but I don't want you to miss out on all that there is in Christ. It's the idea that would just break his heart. And I, and I wonder if there's so many people here that are kind of stuck in this, this dullness of life and wondering, what, what is it? What am I missing out? And, and, and he's saying, man, I'm praying that your eyes would be opened to all that you have in Christ, all that you are in Christ. That's his hope, that their perspective would be changed, that the flip, the switch would be flipped and their eyes would be open. Let me pray towards that end. God, thank you for this text this morning and beautiful picture of all that we have in you as our Lord. 
beautiful picture of what we have that's coming, what's current, what we currently have and experience, a beautiful picture of this prayer for spiritual eyes to be opened, not to new things that we don't have, but things that we already have. I pray that even this week that this might be a catalyst for some sort of a, a change in thinking, some sort of a, a, a flip in perspective, God. We recognize that all of this, the reason Paul is praying for it, is because it can be only given from God. So that's why I pray that for myself. That's why I pray that for this community, that our eyes would be open to all that we have in you, God. We acknowledge you as the giver. We also acknowledge you as the revealer of all good gifts. Pray this now in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. What a powerful name it is that should give us an unshakable confidence going in our week ahead. I pray that you experience all that is in your warehouse being in Christ. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.